If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubinville. Welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in VCE Studios in Nashville, Tennessee. We had a great first episode with our friend Eric Moses. Uh, we'll get more to his story in just a second, where your your life story is your leadership story. Mm-hmm. John brought that to light today uh, in, in our, our last week in our episode. Yep. But always at the table is my good friend to the right, the CEO and, and founder of the GOAT family of brands, the GOAT Empire. A clothing line is on the way. Tyler Burnett. Tyler, we're glad you're here with us today. Glad okay. you could take the time to get in off of the road, eight, I, eight I quotes a day, in. and come and see us. I have to get in for this. It uh, makes me better. Makes me better. And to the, my far left, not my immediate left, but my far left with, with a shirt that he got in high school that almost ended his, his how long have you been married now? Almost 20 years. Um, almost ended. Aaron Tippett. You got to stand for, weeks. you got to stand for something, which yes. obviously you do. Aaron. But uh, you made it through and we're glad you're here. The LinkedIn whisperer, the calming force to our show. And obviously now a big fan of Aaron Tippin. I'm just going to ask you, for the record, if you can tell me what the name of that tour was that you're wearing, that shirt. What's the name of that tour? Gosh, I don't know. Well, when the, I all Ameri- the All-American Tour, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> that's a great, that's yeah. a great guess, but it's actually um, Call of the Wild. Oh, well, that makes even more sense. Call of the Wild. Call of which, the American Wild. certainly Mild. ties into uh, to our show today. Uh, Eric Moses is here. Eric is somebody is, that's known as somebody uh, in the sport industry and in business that um, develops, create, and launches mm-hmm. opportunity. Opportunities for himself, opportunities for others, which is certainly what our show is about. We'll just go ahead and just get that out of the way so we can get right back Do to it. Eric. But we're going to serve it up in a way that you can get it just like we did last time. We're like Waffle House. Serve it up in a way that you can get it. Have uh, you seen their new menu, by the way? Do they really have one? They have completely changed everything. I don't know how I feel about that. I better There's, be able to get scattered, covered, and smothered. You can <laughs> you can only get three options on your hash browns now. Uh, there's only eight menu items. This so really, this really hurts. So, so this, can they're, I? They're really trying to serve it up in a way you can get it now. So <laughs> well, they, they they're on we, board with us. We might, <laughs> so well, we might I need mean, to re, we might need to revisit. Like, it's kind of like looking for a a, a camera and there's eight thousand choices and you're you you can't pick one. So I mean, I love Cheesecake Factory. But that's one of the things I hate about Cheesecake Factory. Oh, that menu, gosh. that encyclopedia menu. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it's like you're looking yeah, at I the, get bu- the same thing every time I go. Like there you're looking at the sponsor. Bible, you know. One one of my favorite stories, and I know we're getting off here, but I, and I said I wouldn't do this, but but one of my students, he said to me, he came, Dr. Jubenville, I just cannot get plugged in. I said, you can memorize and deliver the Cheesecake Factory menu, but you can't figure out how to negotiate the next step of your life. Come on. You, you, you got to be able to do this. In our 20s, that's what he was doing. He was getting the game. In our 30s, we move up in the game. In our 40s, we try to stay in the game because those 30-year-olds are so damn good. In our 50s, what the research says, we finally say, what is it that I really want? We hope you ask yourself that today. And, and as always, we talk about the GOAT or the greatest of all time. In sports, it's easy to see it's the person that's recognized for their greatness. In the what? digital, it's Dev Media. 
in in the media, it's Dev Digital. There it yes. is. Digital. There it is. You know, Dev Digital. <laughs> And media, you know, goat media, might as well be They have to media. love us. They have to love us. In business, <laughs> we love them. It's, yes, and that's all that matters. In business, it's people that compete on unique perspective. This is the real us, by the way. That's it. Unique perspective, <laughs> unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy. It gives other people energy, and it creates new levels of challenge and new levels of results. And that's why we, we asked Eric to join us today. He's somebody throughout his career that has done that in, in all stages of your career. And uh, we're going to continue from last week, where we uh, where we set the stage with your life story is is your leadership story. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eric, we're glad that you're here with us today. Thanks. Um, I'm I know that you uh, are a fan of John Shirt and and all that. that <laughs> he almost that, wore it. I think he's that got represents. One. Mine was dirty. So that, yeah. <laughs> he worked to the gym and had cut off sleeves right. on it. Yeah. And he couldn't get to it. I understand. Um, but let's jump right back into where we left. Hey, here's what I said at the end of uh, the last episode was that that you are uh, an undergrad from North Carolina mm-hmm. and then a, a Juris Doctorate from Duke. Yep. And so who do who do you cheer for uh, yeah. when, when those True two play? True blue, Carolina blue, all day, all there night, forever. I, that was Tar easy. Tar Hill born and bred, and when I die, I'm a Tar Heel dead. There you go. Wow, there was no hesitation there. I, I, I was going to go the other way. New, new, new. Now, oh, you guys are going to get me. Well, I should leave this for the things that we think and do, <laughs> not, say. do not say. Well, That's going to be fun today. Yeah, hold on to that. We'll, we'll get there. So, John, you want to continue the conversation? I know you've got some questions teed up. Um, why don't we? Why don't we start firing away and and see yeah. um, see where we can get to? Yeah. So, Eric Moses, president of Nashville Super Speedway. Eric, when you got that call and they they decided, like, there hasn't been a, a Cup Series race here from NASCAR in almost 40 years, we need somebody to resurrect Nash, NASCAR in Nashville, who is the one guy on the planet that could get that done? They call you. Can you, in your most humble way, share, and maybe I'll ask it this way, if we were to have them on the line, what would they say? They, they, that you were the guy. Like, why you? Well, there, there was, I was in some ways a known quantity because um, our company at Dover Motorsports, our company COO and I serve on a board of directors for uh, a nonprofit called the Military Bowl Foundation in D.C. together. I helped uh, launch the Military Bowl and develop it when I was sports commissioner in Washington. Um, and so we knew each other that way. He was aware of my career and of the things that I had done, uh, the properties I had run, the buildings I had managed. Uh, I, I think he was aware of uh, kind of what Colby said, that, that I'm somebody who is a builder and, and builds high-performing teams to do things like that. And this is a, this is a project in that way, right? Yes, like, you sure. know, if, 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 this, if this track had been – operational for the last 20 years and had had cup series races and, and the whole gamut of, of things going on, they might've chosen someone from inside the sport, right. Yeah. Who, who was already doing these kinds of things, but this is a different kind of effort. It is. Right. I you mean, nothing's to, even happened there in 10, in 10 years, 10 right. Years, it's been dormant. Yeah. You know, we've been parking cars for Nissan and trucks for Amazon and, you know, mm-hmm. and so building the team, Kind of, as I like to say, introducing our organization, our venue, our vision, and our values to Middle Tennessee is something that that I have to do. 
Uh, I've spent the last seven months in Nashville on on what I jokingly say is a mini political campaign, uh, making certain that I'm meeting everybody it's these days. Uh, yeah, yeah, Me- meeting everybody and telling them about who we are and what we're doing and why they should care and hopefully why they will want to support us. Um, so, so it's more than just about knowing racing or about knowing NASCAR. Mm. Uh, and so I think that's why, uh, I think they would tell you that's why I was the right person for the job. Your, your wife might say it like this. I think she might say that your superpower is to connect people and ideas that benefit everybody involved. And if there was ever a position or somebody that needed to be masterful at that, this is it. Because there's so many dots that have to be connected all, I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know a fraction of it. I'm sure, but but talk a little bit about that, like how you're able to connect the dots with people and ideas that benefits everybody, and why this might make sense for you. So I think it comes from a place of um, I really believe in the power of partnerships, and 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 friendships are, are part of that as our marriages and everything else, um, and so as, as we've talked about, and as I say often. Um, yeah, you know, I judge my friends and partners by whether or not they think about me when I'm not in the room. Mm-hmm. And I want to be judged that way. Right. And so I make it a I make it a habit to consider those that are important to me in ways that, that, that they may not uh, even expect. Explain what you mean by that, that what they say about you. When if you, they think about if me. they think about you when, when you're, not, you're not in the room yeah so I mean if um so let's just say we're talking about turf right and uh, and 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 I'm somewhere having a conversation with a friend who's an athletic director at a school and he's talking about his facilities and how things are going well you know do I know somebody in that business is does that set off a, a, a light for me yeah. where I can go oh there's some dots I can connect there where people can have you know some conversation and hopefully drive some value for each other and I'm not doing that because there's something in it for me right I'm doing it because if I put these two folks together there's something in it for them yeah right and so I believe, and I heard a, a guy, a guy named Tom Baltimore, who's a friend in, in, in um, D.C., who was a big hotelier, and, um, uh, and he used to say, we should be about building a, 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 a positive reservoir of goodwill in everything we do. Oh, wow. Because you never know when you may need to dip into that reservoir to help yourself or to help people that you care about. And so in everything that I do, I'm trying to build goodwill with people. Sure. Right. And so if I think about you when I'm not in the, when, when you're not in the room and I come to you and say, Colby, there, there may be an opportunity over here. I just had this conversation and I thought about you. Likely you're going to think, wow, he considered me. I wasn't even there. He didn't have to think about me. Why did he do that? Yeah. And that's going to help us to, to, to build a, a real relationship and hopefully maybe a real partnership. Does that play more into the, because you talked about transactional relationships and strategic relationships. Does that play into to, to that topic? And is there a more, more that you would say about the, those two things? Yeah, I think, I think you can't have a, I don't think partnerships are transactional, right? Transactions may be done but they're not based on just getting one thing done and then, you know, sayonara, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Partnerships. And and this has worked actually, I I think thus far, this has worked really well in being in Nashville because in the South, as you guys know, 
you know, people want to get to know you a little bit. Oh, yeah. They want to know what you're about before they jump in the, in the business with you or anything like that. And, and I like that. Like, let a relationship marinate a little bit. Like, get to know somebody. Mm-hmm. I don't want to regret later that I decide to do a deal with you. Maybe yeah. the deal works out great. Like, maybe I made money off of it. You made money off of it. But then later I found out you're not a good person. Mm. Or there are some values that you have that are, you know, in direct contravention and conflict with who I am and what I'm about. Maybe I would rather have not been in business with you. And so I think those kinds of considerations um, lend themselves towards strategic partnerships mm-hmm. and, and relationships rather than these transactional, what can I get out of this and go on and move on to the next one? It's funny you say that. I had a, um, so me and my wife went, went out to Arizona to visit some old friends of hers. And we had, I had never met them before, never met the husband before. And we, he started asking me what I did. And at the time I was selling baseball netting and turf and, and uh, the next weekend, he called me on Saturday night at 10 p.m. I'm like, why is he calling me? Well, that's eight, seven there. So yeah, I know, okay. right? And so he said, "Man, you'll never, you'll. This is going to be crazy." But I'm in Dallas, and I'm with a guy who's the COO of a franchise that does baseball facilities. And I'm sitting here talking to him, and their their business is blowing up, but they they don't have a net guy worth a crap. He doesn't communicate. He's going up on pricing. He's not not saying why. He's not explaining why. He's, you know, he's he's, he's taking two weeks to get back to us, yada, yada. And so I'm going to hook you up with him. So for the next six months, I was still at the manufacturer of automobiles in Middle Tennessee and uh, Canada and U.S., right? North America. <laughs> um, and, and so I was looking on a way out, and I knew I wanted to be involved in sports or something, some kind of way. And so he hooked me up with that. And over six months, I really worked on that relationship. I worked on knowing netting better and, and turf better. And I had had a degree in entrepreneurship, and I had owned a baseball facility. I had been a player. I had been an instructor. Yep. Uh, so I was the perfect person to kind of get in that business because I could look at it from every angle with my unique perspective and education and experience. And so I wind up getting the deal, the first deal. I convinced my supplier to do it, and we got on board, and we did all of it. And and so uh, I sent my buddy like a thank you. I, I think I Venmoed him $200 or something like that and just said, hey, take your wife to dinner. Thank you so much for hooking me up, right? Well, it got to where he didn't answer my phone calls anymore. And um, about six months later, I'm like, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, oh, man, nothing's good. I mean, how many D-bats you done now? How many – how many facilities you done? Oh, we've done about seven or eight now. And uh, and then like six months later, we talked again. And he's like, oh, how many you done now? And I was like, man, this is so transactional. Like to your point about getting to know somebody better, I would have hoped that he just wanted to help connect us and know that I'm really good at what I do. And he was really good at what he did, except he had one missing dot and I was connecting the dot. And so we talked, we didn't talk for probably two years. And we got back together on the phone the other day. And he, I said, can you explain to me what was going on? And he's like, Man, I just I, I thought you would maybe throw me some bones for really helping you out, and I was just like, man, I didn't realize it was so transactional. Yeah. Like none of that was communicated on the front, and hopefully we can get past that. But that's something that, like you said, I, I take. There's a lot of pride to be uh, to take in what you do and how you connect the dots like that. And and sometimes it's easier to think about the money and what you would get right now. Yep. But when you connect and you get that goodwill, there's so much more to come for everybody down the road. I, I subscribe to that same philosophy I have my whole life. Uh, I think I, I learned it from from my dad and my parents. Both my both my parents were educators that taught me the way you take on the world is to become an educator, marry an educator, and educate other people. Mm-hmm. And that works until you want things like lifestyle and freedom. 
and, and you got to reinvent yourself, right. much like you have every step of the way. And, and so, where did, where did you learn that? Where did you learn that that philosophy of of connecting people and, and making the pie bigger? Sorry, I'm waiting out into the deep end. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I assume where I learned mostly everything I know, which is from home and from my parents. As I said, you know, earlier, my mom is probably the most empathetic human that I know, and I think that notion of thinking about other people uh, is something that she kind of ingrained in us. Not not that she had to tell us to do it, but just by seeing her model that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's why my brain just works that way. And 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 I've seen, I've seen the benefit of kind of, you know, other people call it paying it forward, right? So I've seen the benefit of thinking about other people in a way where I don't expect to receive anything in in return. Yeah. Uh, I read a book uh, when I first got out of law school by a gentleman named George Frazier, and it was about networking, but in particular networking in, in, in the African-American community and, and why we should come to that in a way where we are not looking to get something for connecting people or doing things, but that we're just looking to build goodwill. And that stayed with me. It just made sense and it mm. resonated with who I am as a person. And so since then, you know, I was in my twenties. So since then I've always kind of been, you know, that person. This probably came back to you 20 fold too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things you shared is, is that <clears throat> all I've done up to this point has really prepped me for now. Yeah. You said that I, I wrote. I think I wrote it down, like like you said it. And oftentimes, not oftentimes, but I've been asked in the past, and I don't know. Probably all of us, like if there, if you could go back and change anything, would you? And I struggle with that question because, yeah, I would go back and change the people that I've hurt, certain, some mistakes. I mean, but really, all those really shaped who I am and how I behave and how I love and care for people and that what you just described. Can you talk a little bit about like, what does that mean to you when you said all I've done up to this point has prepped me for now? Like talk a little about that. So um, kind of in response to what you said and what you described, that's like living without regret. Right. And so I, I try to be that way. Um, I was a kid who kind of tried to lay out his life early on in the seventh grade. I decided I was going to, I grew up in central New Jersey Seventh grade, I decided the only college I wanted to go to was University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. That meant I was going to move to North Carolina uh, and finish high school there after my junior year to get in-state residency to go to Chapel Hill because <laughs> 85% of students accepted at Chapel Hill are from in-state and only yeah. 15 are out-of-state. So it's oh, harder wow. to get into and more expensive. Yeah. So that's what I did. After my junior year of high school, moved down to my grandmother's house, lived there, went to the school in Greensboro, North Carolina that put more graduates at Chapel Hill than any other school. Wow. Went there, knew I was going to be a lawyer. Knew I wanted to go to top 10 law school. Went to Duke. So that explains the Duke thing. Top 10 law school, eight miles down the road. Knew I wanted to practice law. I didn't want to be one of these lawyers who went to law school but didn't really want to practice law. Practice law. Then things kind of went in their own direction when I left to go to AOL Time Warner. And so what I don't do to myself is I, I, I don't have to have this um, – this path anymore. Like I know what I'm good at. I know what animates me. I know what I like doing. I want to be successful in, in what I do. I want to be able to bring, as we talked about before, my full self to everything I do. And so I look at every stop on the road. Some of them I learned more than others. Some of them I made more than others. But the sum total of those experiences have made me ready for what I'm doing now. I think when we talked before, I said, if I had gotten this job when I was in my early 30s or something, I wouldn't have been ready for it. 
Yeah. Right. My, my ego right. would have probably led a little bit more. I wouldn't have been able to be patient um, in ways that I think I have to be now. Whew, I got to work on that patience thing. Patience is a, <laughs> especially patience with is my kids. <laughs> well, and especially when you're when you're when you're a Type A and you're ambitious and you yes. want to get things done and you and you are are convinced of your own point of view. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's difficult. I'm all of those to things. Put that aside. <laughs> yeah, but you learn that when you get older, you know, because sure. you, you see where your point of view maybe wasn't the right one at the time and yep. where if you had listened to somebody else maybe that the resolution or would have been a little story bit story of my life so that's why this. I, that's why i surround myself there with older go. people here i think that's a compliment yeah <laughs> maybe oh, backhanded yeah. compliment and i always <laughs> i always think about like you know you for to go to sports right and you're talking to a high school kid you're like man listen if i could go back in your situation i yeah. would do this and you know so much better after you've done it so that's kind of why I've tried to have some mentors and, and be around some people who have been there, not necessarily older, sure, but people who have been there and really learn from their experiences. And obviously there's parts you take and parts that you don't take and that don't are not who you are or what the case may be. But So this, this may be a continuation of this conversation. And one of the ways that we love uh, having dialogue with our guests is around a topic, things we think and do not say. And it really comes from Jerry Maguire when he starts – the movie, and he writes his mission statement. It's not a memo. It's a mission statement. It really starts uh, this, the, sets the premise for the entire movie. He decides he's going to stop being who everyone says he should be, and he's going to be his, his true self. And you've talked about that several times, your full self. I think we would be remiss. We would miss the mark, and we try to have conversations that are very different. You've talked about this before, but we couldn't have you on and not talk about the fact that you were the first ever black track president within NASCAR. And I want to hear some thoughts around that. And in my view, I think that NASCAR is probably much more diverse than what I think and remember growing up. But you bring such a unique perspective, such a unique education and experience. You've got to, it's, I want to hear you talk a little bit about that. Like, how do you feel about that? Um, you know, it, it, I didn't set out for that to be the case, right? It just, ha- I didn't know until the end of kind of the, the, the court, the courtship, as I like to call it, between the folks at Dover Motorsports and myself, that that would even be a fact. Is it meaningful to you for that reason in some yeah, way? It, it's, it's meaningful because to be the first at anything is meaningful. Absolutely. Um, you know, when I got announced, You're the goat. they, you know, ran my name and hiring around the crawl on ESPN. It was on CNN. It was all these things. So my kids seeing that and thinking that that was really cool. You know, that's that, that part of it is cool, but I got to do the job. Right. And I have to do it well, because if I don't, then there is probably more at risk than there would be if I was just another guy, you know, who who was taking this job. So um, it's meaningful. I've gotten some really nice correspondence from people, strangers, as well as friends who have said, um, that that they really enjoy the the inspiration that they take from seeing someone like me, with not just being African American, but also with a different background coming into the sport and, and doing something like that, and that is really meaningful to me. Let me ask you this: what What do you think happens when we take this concept of diversity and we tie it to core business functions like creativity, innovation? fan insight, problem solving. What do you think happens when you take 
that idea and bring it into those key pieces and how you build people and organizations? Uh, I think it is incumbent upon all of us to understand our consumers, our yes. clients, yes. our fans yes. in every way we can. Uh, and if you're smart, you want that group to be as large as it can be. Right. Do, you have, that mean, do you have an example of that, like of recent, it would, since you've been over the track? Oh, yeah. I mean, when, when we were um, coming up with our new branding, our new branding and coming up with a, a marketing video to put out there, it's like a 30-second spot. We've actually run, if you're watching NASCAR races this mm-hmm. season, you've seen our spot. Um, you know, I had to, to, to tell our marketing team and, and agency that I wanted to see people that look like me and women in our spot mm. because I we're looking to appeal to everyone. Everyone is welcome at our track. Everyone is welcome in our sport. But it's hard to tell people that, but then not do anything to show them that. Yeah. So the default before you voiced that, the default was did not include no that demographic. Well, I would I would think honestly that without seeing that, I would think that it's just the, all the guys going out there to NASCAR. But all the different events and stuff you talk about that you guys do. I have four little girls. Man, that would be such a unique experience for them to come do the festivals, come see a different, different, yeah. <laughs> different people, yes. and uh, somebody different than Aaron. <laughs> yes, yes, and and really just experience the whole thing—the loud cars. That I mean, going so fast, and how it's such a unique sport, and all and, the festivals. Women and girls are one of the fastest growing segments of our fan base oh, wow. and of our driver base, right? That's and so, cool. so, but we can miss that, mm. right? Because if if if, if it's just you know, and, and I don't mean this with any disrespect. I hope like nobody takes it that way. If it's just a bunch of white guys sitting around making decisions about their, based on their perspective and experiences, we might not think about women or yeah. people of color yeah. or other folks. Mm-hmm. And we'd be missing out. We'd yeah. be missing out because there's so much that this sport has to offer that people will appreciate as they learn more about the sport. But to get them to invest that time with you, you got to give them something. And that something is... Oh, when I show up there, nobody's gonna look at me strange. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna not want me to be there. Like, who wants to spend their time and money to go to a place where right. you're not wanted? Right. Like, who who wants that? We all want belonging. Now, yeah. The most basic need of people is to connect and feel connected, and I think it ties right back to uh, one of the things that you said in in our first uh, episode, um, part one of this, which is that we live in the experience economy, mm-hmm. and the experience economy commands two things that that you know and understand that people are investing not only their money, but their time with you. Yeah. And the one question that they're going to ask when they take away was, was my time and money well spent when it was with you? Right. And I think your point is to make that experience what we want it to be. It's got to be reflective of who we are truly as a society, not 10 years ago, not 20 years ago, but but right now. And today right now is so different where I sit than any other time and what I see in the world, any other time in the history of the world. And, and the fear about, I think, in NASCAR and other, let's call them traditional kind of businesses, is that if you do things to market to or to reach out to uh, new fans, other people, that you'll, you'll lose your core fans. And, and, and here's the way I look at that. So my favorite thing is Carolina basketball, right? Love to talk about it, love to read about it, love to, you know – argue about it. I want as many people as possible to become Carolina basketball fans. Yeah. Because that gives me more people to talk about it. Yeah. Right. So 
NASCAR fans, I don't think, are any different. You know, if more people come yeah. into the sport, then then they have more people to talk about. Is Chase going to, you know, win the Cup Series again this year? And what do we think about Rowdy? And, you know, is Bubba ever going to break through? Right. And I know. Well, so, and there's a net see, gain. I, there's I, a net gain, too, correct. right? Yeah. Well, it goes back to what he, what he said in terms of the pile of chips, right? And, and I was hoping. And I knew, I told John, I said, we're going to sit down and he's going to be able to talk to me about Cherokee Parks and Mike, <laughs> and Mike Jeminski. And and now we can't have those. I, mean, co- I can still talk about that. <laughs> but, It'll be but, begrudging but, but, me. But, uh, but, <laughs> I'll but, talk about when Jerry Stackhouse dunked on Cherokee Parks and Eric Meeks and the, and the thing that was so nasty, we all just wanted to turn the television off. Yeah. I did. <laughs> I, now we'll have to argue about that, and that makes me sad. I'm going to have to go back and maybe ask myself, should I have been an, uh, an NC yeah, fan maybe. versus Duke? There's I just, no shoulds. We need to have this I just grew no up shoulds. with Coach K. and, and uh, So so should we do the things we think and do not say? Because there's a there's – Oh, a, yeah, tell us. Yeah. Tell us. And then, then give us the, the rundown, Father's Day weekend. I'm going to lose friends over this. Okay. But, um, Story of my life. So – Story Dean podcast. Smith is a legend and a, and, a, and a minor deity in my mind. Not just for what he did uh, in basketball wins and losses, but for the man he was. Um, Roy Williams won more championships. I, I think Roy is great. The guy down the street is probably the best coach. Yeah. Oh, wow. Guy down the street is probably the best coach. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's the thing I think, and I don't often say. Certainly not <laughs> that is out your loud. that is your most vulnerable uh, moment on this show. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so, super exposed now. So catch, I was just staying in the moment with you there, letting you, letting you have that moment. We we are going, and then so give us the quick rundown on the upcoming Father's Day weekend, how you're going to change the world, and then we're going to have your second most vulnerable moment right after that, where we talk about your your playlist. Okay. So. Um, so June 18th through 20th at Nashville Super Speedway, uh, we'll have a triple header. The best drivers in America will descend on Middle Tennessee, and we're, we're super excited to do that. The Rackley, uh, Rackley Roofing 200 uh, is going to be on Friday, Friday night truck race. So the first race uh, back at the Super Speedway after 10 years wow. uh, will be the trucks running at night. Um, the Tennessee Lottery 250 is going to be our Xfinity Series uh, race on Saturday afternoon. And then the Ally 400 Cup Series race on Sunday afternoon. And so we're so super excited. We're excited to have local title sponsors as well as a national title sponsor for our Cup Series race. Big deal to get all three races entitled Absolutely. in our first year, before our first year. Super excited about the support we're getting uh, in and around Middle Tennessee. And it's going to be a great time and a great way to celebrate fathers. We may, we may have to have you come back after to, to unpack it. Well, and, and you, 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 there's a possible concert piece to that, and you're still trying to work through that. Yeah, we're 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 hoping maybe um, John can get with Aaron and uh, um, uh, and get him to come on out and perform. He's, we can. He might have the connection. We can work that uh, out. But yeah, we're 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 there. There are big expectations, as you would imagine, in Music City that that music will be a big part of our weekend, and we are working to ensure that that's the case. Okay, the final way. We are going to honor you, Eric, is we're going to ask that you pull out your phone, check your playlist. We want to know, this is, you can't change this. And I'm I'm looking at you. This is why we don't tell you before. So I want to know the top five songs on your playlist. So, so I don't do playlists a whole lot. I do Spotify and I let them choose it for me every day, but I do have a playlist that I use on all of my plane rides. So when I get on the plane, it kind of chills me out, puts me in the right place. Starts with 
what I believe Please maybe say. to be the best song of all time, oh, Stevie gosh. Wonder, All I Do. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, then it goes um, Stevie Wonder as. You better throw Isn't She Wonderful in there. Um, that's that one. I don't, I, I like that one, but you know, I have boys, not girls. He was, that was about his daughter. Yeah. Um, I've got, uh, I've got Drake in here. Mm-hmm. I've got Jay-Z in here. The street poet. Um, and, and I tell people, and you guys didn't have it, but had I had my walk-up music, which yes. every public speaker should have, the yes. walk-up no. music. my walk-up music is public service announcement by Jay-Z. Allow me to reintroduce myself. I love, love it. it. Yeah. So. Those are the, and then I got some Alabama shakes in here. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. There you go. So, so now it's a plane ride playlist. I think we may have to, I think we may have to adopt and adapt his, his Eric's idea of a walk up song. Because I recently did that. That's a great idea. Oh, it is. Plane playlist. So, by the way, I have a plane playlist, too, and Al Green is on there Mm. quite a bit. He's one of my favorite all-time. My high school wrestling coach introduced me to him. He is a GOAT. We'll talk about that in another episode. When I was in New York, I walked up to the Return of the Mac. I like that. It was a good walk-up song. great walk-up song. So, very very quickly, what are are those few songs slash artists, what does that tell us about Eric Moses? I'm a kid of the '80s, so you know I grew up with hip hop, uh, so I can't can't do that. But I have a, a varied interest. I mean, the thing about being out here in Nashville is that I don't know about a lot about recent country. But I grew up. My mom and dad and myself, we listened to the Oak Ridge Boys, Randy Travis, Aaron Shania Tippin. Twain. You know, Willie Nelson. You know, I'm old school country. country yeah. All right. Yeah. Although I've seen Blake since I've been here, who is great. Uh, I saw Luke Combs at the Grand Ole Opry a couple of weeks ago. He was fantastic. And a guy named Nico Moon, who was really Nico good. Nico's got a cool um, song, Good I Time. Saw, I saw one of Jay-Z my perform Public Service Announcement live in Bridgestone Did you? a year and a half ago. It was incredible. Yeah, I don't, so I don't miss his concerts anytime. Never miss him. Well, we, we've, we've learned so much about you. Gosh, thank you uh, for being more, here. More than just so great. being the leader that you are and, and uh, certainly um, – the commitment to bringing some normalcy back, mm. back to Nashville, and and to be able to hear those engines start up and and run around that track. So great. More than that, to to know that uh, I love the piece about you deciding early on in that defining moment to say I'm going to graduate, I'm going to go to UNC, and I'm going to graduate, and then to to go into Duke, and then just to say in in front of the our group, our global audience, vulnerably that uh, Shashevsky, while he may not be a deity, is certainly the greatest basketball coach of all, of all time. Uh, is <laughs> is so meaningful to me. You know what I can say I, very quickly, as I know you're landing the plane, as you like to put it. Yeah. Here's here's a takeaway for me in this conversation and getting to know you more. You are very strong in your courage and conviction. That's what I wrote down. Courage and conviction. Everything you've done, I can apply those two things. And I appreciate that. Thank I've you. learned that from you. I appreciate Thank that. you. Thank you. Well, and Eric, I certainly appreciate and love the fact that you're that John said it, and, and I think that it's true that your that your life story is your leadership story, and I hope you keep leading in that way. And for Tyler, and for uh, John, and for my our friend Eric, come on out to the Nashville Speedway Super Speedway and check them out. I'm Colby Jubenville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Oh.